What's up, man? Trailblazing. Trailblazing. You know, one of these days, we might get on a routine and, like, record on the same day or at least publish our episodes on the same day so people know what to expect. You know, that would be, that would be mighty professional of us um, to do that. It's a stretch. But I think, you know, I think we should do it. I think we um, should do it, man. So you're really talking to me. So for those of, for the three of you all who listen to this podcast, two of you are, are Jerry and Date. So for the one other person right. who listens to this podcast, um, I, I'm the one that keeps messing up the, the consistent time. Jerry, Jerry is much more um, uh, intentional about this. But here we are trailblazing in where like uh, a minute and a half in and we still haven't said who we are. What's up, y'all? My name is Date M. And I'm Jerry Jones. All right, Jerry, we got a packed show, man. So the first thing is we just got to, we can't start this thing without doing like major, major props. Right. Who, who are we giving props to off the top? We have to give props and uh, respect to uh, Representative John Lewis uh, and uh, the Reverend C.T. Vivian, um, who they passed on the same, same day. Um, yeah. went on home, man. And man, they had, man, it, it is, it's almost, it's almost impossible to put in words like just what they, what they mean to America. I mean, not just to, to black people and people of color, but like to America. Um, yeah, I, I really do feel like that these are two of the men who have gotten us as close as this country has ever gotten to the dream as any Americans who've ever lived. Right on, man. That, so, yes, absolutely. And, and I think maybe um, a show down the road for, for down the road will mm -hmm. be like, what does it mean for, for us, you and I yeah. and the people mm -hmm. who are still living today to actually see the passing of such a profound generation. So it's yeah. not just the loss of these two folks, but it's the loss of folks who were absolutely vibrant in, 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 in their element mm -hmm. during the civil rights era. Like we are losing them and we won't forget them, but, but, but there, there, there seems to be um, an actual literal passing of the torch. And yeah. everybody knows about Representative Lewis, like just, we, we can't say it enough. Um, it's time for us to rename that bridge. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um, and, but I, I just, as, as a clergy person, just have to give major, major props to also CT Vivian pastor and Reverend CT Vivian, mm -hmm. who Dr. King said was the greatest preacher he ever heard. So wow. uh, that's saying some. Yeah. 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 They got to rename the bridge. And man, they need to pass that bill sitting on McConnell's desk, man. Man, we can get into that. Man, I know we can't get into it, man. But they, man. Yeah. Yeah. So let me also do let me also do my correction. Um, again, for the one person who listened to the last episode, I we talked about uh, Kelly Leffler. It was in my sh uh, call out, and I said that she came up for she was. Uh, she comes up for election next year. I was wrong. She actually comes up for election um, here in November. So all of you out in Georgia, if 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 you are not down for her dream of um, of of anti Black Lives Matter, then we need to vote her out. Real talk. So to be to be real clear, again, I said that she was up for uh, she she was nominated to her seat. She comes up for election in November. So. All, all you Georgians, get out there and vote. Get out there, man. Get out there. And, and just, just as another side, and then we got to jump into this thing, is one of the people who's running against her, because they got this really kind of convoluted thing, is um, the, the, the pastor of, of uh, Dr. King's old church in, mm. in, in, in Atlanta. So, Come on. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a tight race, but... Uh, Y'all got to get out there and vote. I mean, we all got to get out there and vote for real. Real talk. Real talk, man. Um, 
it, we're, we're 99 days away. At the time of this recording, we are 99 days away from November 3rd. So get out there, y'all, and, and make a plan. Make a plan. It's not corny to be coming up with a safe voting plan. If it's mail-in, if you go to a polls, make sure you got a plan, make sure you're safe, but we got to get out there either way. That's it. All right. So we're going to jump into this show. We're going to talk about two main topics because it's going to, it's going to take most of our time. And, and you already know that Jerry and I aren't that disciplined about our time. This, yeah. We don't have it like PTI where people are putting a buzzer on us. So we're going to talk about um, restarting sports during a pandemic. And then we're going to talk about um, what in the world are our federal politicians doing? Uh, because they clearly are not doing their jobs. But right. um, restarting sports in a, during the pandemic, and we want to focus on Major League Baseball, the WNBA, and the NBA. So, Jerry, you want to kick us off? Man, I, you know, the Marlins, the Miami Marlins are a very special uh, baseball <laughs> organization just because – you know, outside of those two fluke years where they managed somehow to win a World Series have been pretty much the worst franchise in baseball. And here we are now where news is broken that they have 13 people within the organization who have tested positive, who are currently tested positive for COVID-19. And how, how many people get 13, you tell us that 13, 11 players, two coaches. <laughs> now they've already played three games. So if they're, I mean, I, I just feel like that this is just, it, it's just their baseball just did not, I mean, from the jump, every, all of it has been rushed. And this is a cautionary tale to me what baseball is doing. And it's just so weird to watch how baseball has handled COVID compared to the other sports, compared to the WNBA, compared to the NBA, and even uh, Major League Soccer. Um, Major League Baseball has really taken the most laissez-faire approach to dealing um, with, with the pandemic. And now what we've got is a baseball team that is canceling their home, or not canceling, but they're postponing their home opener because they don't have a team to field. And it, it's a joke. I mean, of course it would happen to the Marlins. Um, just, I mean, and I feel for them, I, but I'm like, man, how many more people are we talking about? I mean, they were coming into contact with all these other players. I mean, it's a joke, man. I mean, it's not funny. I'm not saying it's funny. I'm saying that I feel like of, of the sports, baseball clearly was not ready um, to, to handle the pandemic. And, and I, honestly, Dave, I think they need to pull the plug on the season. I, I, I just think like, you know what? It's not worth it. 60 games. First of all, what kind of baseball season is 60 games? Yeah, it, it feels crazy. Um, and, and so can, can I do my confession up front? Is, yeah. Uh, since baseball has started, uh, I for real, for real have been watching and listening to the games. Like it, it, it has been, um, it's been one of those welcome things. Mm -hmm. Although I, I was a little unclear, you, you know this, but I'm, I'm a tell on myself. I, 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 I was when the Royals went into extra inning against Cleveland, I was already yelling at the relief pitcher Holland because I was like, he gave up a double already, not Man. realizing that in extra innings. They have new rules. Like you start with a runner on second. So I was, yeah. I, I was cussing them up. And, but I, I kind of am like you, man. I, um, so I've enjoyed it. Now, mm -hmm. me enjoying something in the middle of a pandemic, is it, it does feel like um, it, it just like we want so much to be distracted from this pandemic and we want things to go mm -hmm. back to normal. And, and maybe the reality of the pandemic and COVID-19 is that like we, there's, there's no normal right now until we can actually get our act together and as a people come together and do the things that will allow us to, to, to um, at least 
make some some strides uh, to 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 overcome this mm. virus. And so playing baseball doesn't feel like it. Um, this feels a, a one step removed from like being in a bubble like the NBA is doing. Right. We'll talk about them in a minute. But like you know, one consideration baseball was supposed to happen in two states, ironically, in Arizona and Florida, the right. two of the states that, that are um, really experiencing an increase in COVID. But I, I'm, I don't, I'm actually, I, I think I am getting to the place where I'm like, I don't know that it's worth it. Like, folks are going to keep getting sick. The Royals, they have two pitchers and then two position players that have it. And we're going to keep seeing more of this. And, and the question is, like, can we just extend this discomfort long enough to say, to just get it under control, number one. Right. And we'll talk about this with other folks. Is like the key thing now is testing. And should we be devoting the resources, testing resources? So major league players are getting tested. Um, I know NBA players are getting tested every day. I think major league baseball players are getting tested regularly. Shouldn't that testing, if those tests are readily available, shouldn't we be making them available to um, communities of color in Florida and Arizona and, and Georgia and Texas where, where this thing is, is spiraling out of control? Well, so I think that's a fair, a fair uh, question. And I feel like that the testing is not as much of a problem as it is the availability of, of, of the labs. The results. The, the results. And I don't, I don't fault. So I don't fault say like the NBA WNBA for how they're handling it. Um, I, I would, I would say that what baseball what baseball should be doing, they thought baseball is trying to do this on the cheap. They thought, Hey, we'll, we'll just pay for testing and lab results, but we're not going to do, we're going to not going to invest in the infrastructure to keep all of the players, managers and organizational staff safe. So they thought they could just kind of on a, on a budget kind of make this happen and they're paying the price, but I don't have a problem with MLS and the WNBA and NBA, like spending the money on testing and results. That's what I would hope. That's what all employers would do to keep their, their people safe. But the, the, the current health model, unfortunately, is fee for service. And whoever can pay um, will get the lab services. And that, I think, to your point, that's why we're seeing such a, a lag time in the community on test results why some people wait in a week because health departments don't have any money they don't have any money yeah. to pay um but I, I give the i give major league baseball an f and i got to tell you that i've enjoyed it too these first three games i've enjoyed watching them but honestly my concern for their well-being and this is weird as somebody watching millionaires play a game but my concern for their health and well-being has gotten to a point where it trumps my love for the game. Like I would rather they be okay and their families yeah. be okay than because I feel I felt kind of dirty how much I enjoyed watching, knowing that we they are, are risking their health. We there. are putting them in an untenable position, and, and yeah, and I think it to decide. You know, are you going to play? Or are you not? Even though baseball has given um, players the the option to. Um, to, to step out if they don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. But but I think it, they shouldn't be put in that position. And, and I think the other thing is we're just going to see more cases. Like, uh, I think we're going to – because here's the thing. I mean, you can put people in, in, in locker rooms, you know, with a locker right. in between them, and, and baseball is the one sport that you can distance a little bit. But it doesn't matter, man. I mean, like, it, I, like COVID don't what? care. COVID don't care. <laughs> what, what what song is that COVID don't COVID don't care COVID don't COVID with the good hair don't care uh, <laughs> and here's the thing man baseball players and I'm sure it's like with a lot of sports but baseball players are they've got their little quirks and their habits and their routines especially when they're in different cities like so the Royals were in Cleveland I'm sure there's a favorite place whenever they're in Cleveland they like to go eat they may go you know uh, play golf. They may have a like a, a Lou Williams situation where there's certain oh, place they see? like to go. 
There's a certain <laughs> way, you know? And, and, and those guys don't have the restrictions that the NBA and WNBA have, so they're just going, they're just doing what they do uh, All right. when they're let's, out of town. You brought it up, so, let, so that's MLB. What about the, the NBA? Well, what do you want to say about Lou Williams? Man, I, there's a lot I want to say about Lou Williams. But, you know, it's been interesting to, you know, he left the bubble. So for those of you all who don't know, uh, the NBA players are all pretty much quarantined within a geographic area that we're calling uh, the bubble. Uh, on a future show, I want to I track down the group who's responsible for organizing the bubble. Cause I I'm very interested in how they organize all this, but Lou Williams is a player for the Clippers had a funeral in Atlanta, his, uh, grandfather. his, his grandfather. Uh, so there was a funeral. And so according to Lou, he got hungry. He wanted some wings. So he hit up his favorite wing joint in Atlanta. The problem uh, with his favorite wing joint is that it also, on top of serving apparently really great hot wings, um, it's also a strip club. And it's not, calling this place a strip club would be like calling the MGM Grand a casino. Like Magic City is one of the most famous adult entertainment establishments in the world. And Lou Williams is there so much. Lou Williams apparently has hot wings, a, a, a dish of hot wings that's named for him. He's on the menu. His name is on the menu. They're like a lemon pepper barbecue wings. So he wanted his wings and he said he got them to go. But because he violated the rules of the bubble protocol, he's got a quarantine now for 10 days. So first of all, can, can, can we dig into this just a little more? And let's be clear about this. So first of all, why this doesn't ring true to me is, I mean, just besides the obvious thing, like, oh, I'm going to go to a strip club because I really like the food. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these strip clubs are known for their food. Right. right? Because they're, they're hiring the top chefs. Right. So, Michelin star, but, apparently. Yeah. 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 But first of all, it was Lou Williams' boy who posted a picture of him, his friend posted a picture of him on Instagram and people saw it. And so then his friend realized what he did, deleted the picture, pulled it down, and then said, this was from a couple years ago when I was hanging out with my boy. And then, but then the problem with that is that Lou Williams was in that picture wearing a mask that they were giving out while folks were in the bubble. So two years ago, that's the that's when Lou Williams like everybody knows my favorite place to eat. Where do I go when I go eat? And I was like, <laughs> so like, come on, man. But see, and it's so irresponsible, so irresponsible for Lou Williams. Uh, first of all, he done messed it up for everybody else in the league now. So anybody else that has a real family emergency, it's gonna be, they're gonna have like private detail going with them like next Lou Williams want to leave the bubble again he's gonna have a, a damn um, security guard with him watching every little move he makes but he's ruined it for everyone he's put his teammates at risk he's put uh, the rest of the players in the league at risk it was just really stupid man it was just I, I mean because now he he could be putting the league in a in a Miami Marlins type situation like and if you're well, his, yeah. if you're his teammate, I mean, do you trust? Do you trust Lou Williams to do the right thing for the team at this point? I mean, so here's here's the act. Here's another part of the question: is so the NBA has uh, a snitch line. Yes. If folks aren't, <laughs> if folks aren't, um, are, aren't doing what they're supposed to do in the bubble that other people can call the anonymous snitch line and um and 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 report people and you know rudy gobert he of covid fame has already said that that's childish right that's but what it brings up is even though the nba has gone to great extremes to create this bubble and these playing conditions and they create and they've created all of these parameters to keep people safe 
and they created a snitch line. The reality is these are some grown men with uh, some incredible resources. Do we really think they are, they, 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 is Lou Williams just um, an example of a person who got caught? And, and oh, yeah. The question that other people have been asking is like, how many people have they been sneaking into their bubble without right. folks knowing? Right. I, I, you know, I, you're talking about a league of wealthy alpha males <laughs> who are, are supposed to, to stay in this quarantine community for the next three months. I, I, I agree with you that Lou, I, and I'm sure there, there's all sorts of bubble violations taking place right now. But hell, and, that, and you're you're not talking about condoms at that point. You you're really right, just talking about right. And 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 why he doesn't even need a snitch line when he's got his boy. Instagram is the snitch line. It's I mean, terrible. you best believe any NBA player that steps out of the bubble, you don't need the snitch line because Instagram is the snitch line because everybody's gonna be like, oh. I saw uh, Lou Williams at Magic City. Oh, I saw this player here. I saw. I mean, I don't. I agree with Rudy Gobert, and it's it's weird to say I agree with Rudy Gobert after you know his stupidity um, and antics with COVID nineteen. But I I do agree that it's childish. Uh, I don't think they ought to be doing that to each other. But you know. Um, but, but I, think they, I think they're proven that they got to do it you know, because this, I mean, part of what this raises is like, uh, you know, are these folks, the NBA set up the parameters, but are people willing to abide by the parameters? Right. And, and clearly they're making exceptions. I mean, so like um, uh, uh, the, the Zion had a family emergency. Right. So he had to step out of the bubble. So then he has to quarantine for 10 days. So. Now, I, I mean, think about like, Zion's a rookie. He didn't have any problems. He he did his family stuff, went back to the bubble. Pat Bev, same thing. Had to leave for a family emergency. Also in the it feels like the Clippers have seemed to have a lot more people who had to leave the bubble than anybody. But I feel like what what this is gonna show, this scenario is gonna show who is really all about trying to win and who's just there for the paycheck who's just there to ball. They don't really care if they win or lose. They're just there to, to ball. And, and Lou Williams, to his credit, he's always, he's all about scoring points. He's, it's, you know, it's the Lou Williams show when he's out oh. there. And, and I, I, I would say that it's clear and obvious now that he is not concerned or not committed to winning a championship. Man, I, I got to get into that, man. So, I mean, and again, the larger picture is, are we so desperate for things going back to quote unquote normal that we want to start the NBA season, you know, the, 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 the eight game season so they can get into yeah. the playoffs and then do, do we want to start MLB? So we got to transition real quick. So now we've got to talk about the WNBA. Oh man. And the WNBA may, so their situation is that if you uh, are worried about your health, then you have to then present your case, um, even though you might have a physician that right. says, "Hey, here's the deal: you got to present your case to a, um, a, a a panel of experts that the, that the WNBA has commissioned, and they get to agree whether or not you get a waiver to play." So right. we're talking about the case of the reigning WNBA mm-hmm. MVP Elena yep. Deladon. Um, she she has Lyme's disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there was a, a a report that was done about her. It's actually a great report. It, she takes sixty pills a day, y'all. Sixty p- to get ready, man, um, for, for to play. And when there's a cold going around, she she is always deathly afraid because that all, that adversely affects her. Mm-hmm. WNBA MVP. She essentially like like won the finals. Yep. For, for for the team. She presents her case with her physician actually doing presentation and the panel rejected her. Right. Said that her condition does not warrant um, their understanding of what it means to sit out. What do you think about that, Jerry? I, I think it's a... 
you when you talk about her and I, I didn't know this that she takes sixty pills every day. Sixty pills. I mean, I don't think that anybody would ever question Deladon's commitment to the game. Like she is about that life. She is about the game. She loves eats, drinks, and sleeps hoops. That's been her life. And when she's saying, look, y'all, I need an exemption, give her the damn exemption. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know how they would decide, but apparently there's some other players that have qualified for exemptions, but she hasn't. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just maybe a conspiracy theorist, but I think that, you know, just like in football, They'll say a player is cleared to play when they know really that player is not really shouldn't be out there because Elena Deladon is one of the faces of the league and as a draw, I feel like there is more than just her medical condition that was at play here. Um, and I, I think they screwed her over, man. I don't like it at all. The WNBA has done a lot of good, uh, great things recently. This is this is an epic fail for the WNBA. They made the well, wrong call. Yeah, I, it's not like. First of all, I think they should just take a posture in general of believing their players, right? right. When the owners, when the owners, mm-hmm. um, and, and and league executives are willing to go into uh, a senior center that, that 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 in which COVID is rampant without a mask on. And then, like, I, I, I'm being stupid, but, like, wh- wh- when they're willing to risk their lives, I mean, they sit in these boxes and they get tested. Yeah. Like, they just believe the people. Because, in general, any person that says, I don't feel safe, you, you should believe them. We're living in unprecedented times. But then Elena Deladon, who, who has demonstrated, she's a league MVP, and she's demonstrated mm-hmm. her commitment to the game. Oh, and last year she played with a bad back. Right. Like, and she kept getting out on the court. If she says, I don't feel safe, like, you got to believe her. And now the WNBA rejected you know, her request. She didn't get a waiver. But her team is saying that they will pay her salary. So, so props yeah. to her team. Yeah, props to uh, the team uh, for, for doing that. Um, and I don't know who these damn doctors are that they had, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know who they are, what, you know, where, where they got their degrees from, but yeah. Hey man, that was a bad look. Um, but I, like you said, but ultimately she's being paid. She's able to sit out. Um, and it's, and I feel terrible criticizing the WNBA because I feel like they've been doing so, so many, uh, uh, wonderful things during this, uh, this really tough, tough time. But yeah, I, I did not like how they handled, uh, her situation at all. Right. So now we're going to transition to our second topic. Um, in, in, in the realm of like, can we just start believing people? And also like, what the heck do our elected officials doing is um, like, we just want to talk about our federally elected politicians. So we're talking about our senators and, and, and our Congress people, right? Yeah. Folks in the House of Representatives. You you got a big old side. What 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 do you got to say about this, Jerry? <laughs> Man, I I don't know. It I don't. Why does it always seem like it's um, people from Florida? You you know that whole thing with Florida man. A man from Florida did X Y Z, and you know it's about to be some really messed up stuff. But I'm sorry. I mean that whole uh, Ted Ted uh, Yoho. I'm still seething about Ted Yoho. Okay, tell, t- for those that don't know what's going on with Ted Yo. first of all, until this happened, I didn't know that there was a congressperson named Ted Yoho. Like, well, then nobody know. <laughs> did, I mean, no, did this just to get his name out there, right? Right, right. So Ted Yoho is a, a nobody uh, congressperson from Florida uh, who that I'm just, I'm just saying that because didn't, I mean, did, none of y'all knew who Ted Yoho was before last week i didn't know who he was but everybody knows who aoc is alexandria ocasio ocasio cortez from the 14th district uh from uh in the in the you know state of new york um apparently um 
I'm going to say allegedly, even though it's not really alleged since he is cop to the fact that he had an encounter with her where he essentially accosted AOC um, and then it was heard by, uh, by a reporter um, that he called her an effing B. And I'm like, oh his colleague. That, yeah. Is this how, is this how they comport themselves now? Uh, in Congress, is that, is that how they're referring to colleagues now? Is that, and then he had the nerve to go on the House floor and offer a non-apology apology, apology um, for what he said without ever apologizing to AOC directly and talking about oh, how he grew up poor and how he's a father and a husband and a, a this and a that. And I'm like, wait, what? What does growing up poor have to do with you you publicly uh, using expletives to describe your colleague? Right. Or what does what does it have to do? What does it do having having daughters or or being a husband? That, that that's got nothing to do with nothing. And um, and AOC, like she took to the floor. I think the next day after his so called weak apology, and she just really laid it down. I would highly recommend. Um, Google AOC from the House floor, and she just kind of laid it down. But yeah, like, and I'm glad she said what she said because that's just not how, um, that's not how you treat colleagues in, in Congress, uh, and that's certainly not how you treat women. Um, like, so even just on a human level, Ted Yoho is a horrible example for for young men uh, and Terrible. boys. Um, and conversely, AOC is a tremendous role model, in my opinion, um, uh, for 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 young girls and and, and young women. Um, but it also, to me, it's it wasn't just gender; it was racial to me. I feel like that a lot of the venom that gets spewed her way is that intersectionality of gender bias as well as racial bias, um, and it's it's just. It's disheartening for me. It really is. I just, I don't understand. Like, you don't have to like people on the other side, although I, I think you shouldn't hate them, right? right? I mean, just because someone has a different opinion and, and, and um, kind of a set of philosophical views like, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't require hate. But then to, and then again, I'm, I'm not justifying this by, uh, uh, saying what I'm about to say is right, but there's a way in which you can talk if you, you really vehemently disagree with someone, you talk behind closed mm -hmm. doors and like, we all do that, right? Like, or, right. or let me use my voice so that I don't overgeneralize. There's a way that I talk with folks and if I'm angry, I might even say some things to you. Um, hopefully I'm not calling you a name, but I, I might throw out some things um, if uh, behind closed doors, but then, I would never do that publicly. And I would never do that with reporters going around. Like there's still a way in which you, you should be collegial and cordial and, and respectful to folks. So yeah. I, I don't have anything more to add to what you're saying other than I, I, I just find that highly offensive. And for him not to apologize, like you said, it's ridiculous. And um, I'm just going to go out there. I think, I feel like he's gotten a lot of mileage out of this. We're talking about someone we would have never talked about were it not for the incident. I'm not saying that he knew in the moment that he was going to get this kind of shine, uh, but he certainly has milked it um, over these past uh, few days. And so he's riding her coattails now to, you know, to kind of spur on his, his reelection, which is even more, um, even more disgusting um, to yeah. me. Well, and, and can I do a bit of a frame in that? Because I know, I know you want to talk about Senator, Senator Tom Cotton. Oh, man. Um, but part, part of this frame is whether it's, it's Representative Yoho, whether it's um, Senator Cotton, or, or I, let me, you know, I, I don't want to be partisan about this. Is I, I'll throw Democratic um, senators and congresspeople in the mix um, here as well. Is like the reality is we are in the middle of a pandemic. And I know I keep coming back to this, but like this, this is crisis time. 
And, right. and the one thing that I've heard us say about our country, and frankly, I've seen it demonstrated, is that in the middle of a crisis, we, we forget our partisanship. Mm -hmm. Like we don't mm -hmm. leave it completely behind, but we, we're willing to temper our partisanship to say, we've got to make it through. And the way we make it through is together. This pandemic um, and COVID it, it, it is actually kind of showing us a different set, a, a, a different nature that, mm -hmm. that feels like it, it's been underneath the surface that we don't like to show in public all the time. It's like, I, I want, Jerry, we are about, we are about to end the moratorium on, on, on eviction. Mm. So for a while now, we've said, hey, you know, during the middle of the pandemic, when, when people are staying home, we're, no one gets evicted. And then, and then we said, we're going to give people, you know, $600 a month if, if you apply for, for unemployment. Well, those benefits are running out. And it, it seems like evictions might go on. And then the, the Senate is, is trying to consider what to do with um, the HEROES Act, which is the second version of, of, of mm -hmm. CARES. The House has passed it a long time ago. And, and I, I'm really appalled that we have senators who are, their whole time is not spent how, on thinking about how do we help people get through this pandemic. Right. And we have Congress people who are calling their colleagues' names. We have um, the, the, the uh, Secretary of Education who's saying, go back in school, but she hasn't issued any guidelines. She keeps deferring to the CDC. Mm -hmm. And then, and, then, and, then, and then we have an administration that's saying, well, we're going to crack down on immigration. It's like, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Like, let's help people. If, if we want normalization, that's not restarting sports. It's making sure that folks don't continue to bear the brunt financially and economically and socially of, like, what it means to be separated. And, and so I just, like, instead of doing these ancillary things, can they just do their job, which is about creating policy that, that is addressing the pandemic? And I, I, I don't know if our president knows this, but the United States is not a monarchy. You can't pass legislation by edict. Like, you've got to get in there and roll your sleeves up. And it's like, right. I don't understand. So this gets us to this, one of the senators from Arkansas. Mm has decided that rather than working on pandemic legislation, he's going to then step up and um, create another bill. So, Jerry, what is Senator Tom Cotton proposing? Senator Tom Go Pick Cotton oh. wants to, uh, yeah, that's my new nickname, because he apparently <laughs> is, I'm just going to call him Go Pick, because that, that's all he thinks I'm good for, apparently. Um, <laughs> He, instead of working on uh, COVID response, he, instead of working on the HEROES Act, he, instead of getting the Voting Rights Act passed, all the other things that need to be, get, to be done, he is proposing an education bill that strips federal funding away from districts that purport to teach the accurate telling of um, slavery in America. Um, and in an interview that he did, I, I can't remember the name, I think it may be the Arkansas Gazette, this weekend, he referred to slavery as a, quote, necessary evil for the wow. formation of the union. Now, he's backtracking and say, well, I was quoting, he's like, as the founding fathers said, I'm like, I understand a little bit about literary like devices and when you say as you're you're basically you're co-signing on to what the founding fathers thought so yeah i mean um but for him to say that slavery that the kidnapping the torturing the you know brutalization and, and several other things that i don't even want to mention um that those things being done to um, uh, African people was necessary for this country to be what it is today is among one of the most offensive things I have heard during this Trump administration. And that says a lot. Uh, Tom Cotton is a racist. 
Um, and he clearly, he harbors and is putting into practice racist ideas. Uh, and I, I think he, if, 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 the, if, the, if the Republicans had a real political party, he would have been, he'd be forced into resignation uh, in normal circumstances. And in normal circumstances, the move, they would be, we would be talking probably on Wednesday or Thursday about him resigning from the Senate in normal circumstances, if he had made that statement. Um, But, um, but here we are. Um, And I would say there has been no outcry from his um, GOP um, comrades there, um, which says a lot about where, where his party is um, on that issue, issue. It's very disturbing, but I'm just trying to figure out how does he have time for this? Right. Where does he find time for this? The, the Saving American History Act or something like that, right? So I, I'm like you, dude. Like, uh, first of all, he, his, whole, his, his whole just thing of saying, well, I was quoting the founding fathers. So here's the thing. Um, when you when you quote somebody, mm. and if you don't agree with what they're saying, you say you, you take. But especially if you you're gonna issue a public statement like this, if you quote the founding father, I quoted the founding fathers like this is slavery is a necessary evil upon which we built our our, our country. Then you say now I don't I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but they had this point of view. He didn't know, do any of those kinds of corrections, right? So so. Somewhere in the in this case, and I well, let me finish this first. I was like, he, I, I don't. His point seems to be we've got to study slavery and the impacts of slavery. We shouldn't study what the New York Times is teaching. They're still studying slavery. They're still. Right. They're, they're just. They're just saying that it began in 1619, not necessarily during the Civil War, and and they're saying it, it has a profound impact even to today he right. just doesn't like where they started and he's right. 1619 mm-hmm. he doesn't like the conclusions well that like can he come out and denounce can he say just publicly you know slave like slavery was at the heart of how this country was built and right. we could we can develop a different we could have we could have developed a different country that didn't depend on slavery. I just right. want him to say that, right? Right. I just like why? Why can't you say that? Like, what is it that you want to preserve in the 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 whiteification of American history mm. that 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 keeps intact how we understood this? Like, we know more now, and 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 the brunt enslaved Africans had to bear and then their their ancestors had to bear like we don't even understand the impact and why would he want to gloss over something like that well yeah he he wants he the whole act that he's basically saying is we need to continue lying um and uh, to our children and perpetuating a myth right He, he, he should call it the perpetuating the myth of america act is is what that is and and he along with many of the folks in that you know in the in the south where they they truly look at uh the civil war as a lost cause they believe it was just um this pulls the 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 you know the 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 rug off of the reality of the situation and he's afraid of that and so he would rather penalize so basically, he wants to use federal dollars to indoctrinate children with lies. That is the found. I mean, and I know we're not talking about, but what he is, what he is talking about, I don't see separate than what's going on in Portland, and what could be coming here to Kansas City, Chicago, and Albuquerque. But what he's talking about is the very framework and foundation for fascism. Right, and it his. His bill needs to be publicly rebuked by every elected official, House and Senate, in in uh, in Congress, because it is a fascist piece of legislation, and we need to be going the other way as fascist and racist. 
um, and it needs to be completely obliterated and he needs to be shunned. Um, and, and, and people who think like him need to be shunned from, from public office. I mean, we're at a place state where we have to abolish this type of dangerous rhetoric. Right. And I, I honestly, I, I, we're not, I'm not at a place where I am ready to, we're in 2020, we're done forgiving this kind of foolishness. Um, right. And it, that, that, that kind of thinking needs to go. And the people of Arkansas, I don't know when he's up again. He's supposedly going to be a hot prospect in 2024. Right. Uh, but the people of Arkansas need to, to figure out in his next election how to make him pay um, for this. Because it's well, just he, infuriating. Well, and he wrote that. He, he, he wrote um, an opinion piece in the, in the New York Times. And the Times let it run. And, and a lot of oh, uh, reporters, yeah. a lot of reporters said that this is going to do harm to us. And so the Times finally retracted it and, and the editor that um, kind of okayed it resigned and all that. I, I yeah. think there's some, there's some, there's some lasting effects from that. Like this is his way of, 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 of trying to clap back at them. But I, look, man, I, here, here's how I understand this. And, and if you'll let me be personal for a minute. Um, my, my mom passed away from stomach cancer when I was 16. And, and um, after she died, some well-intentioned um, folks, you know, would try, in trying to comfort me would say, um, you, you know, God, God has a plan. And then, and I even had some other people say, um, this is part of God's plan. And I had some other folks say, you know, you'll be better for this. So, let me just tell you something is um, whenever you experience a tragedy, you don't want to hear that you're going to be better for it. Right. right. So I, I want to be really clear, like um, having experienced most of my life without my mom, who was this incredibly, um, she was the anchor in my life emotionally and otherwise. Um, I, it, it forced me, I had to learn to adapt and it forced me to do a set of things. But if I had to choose, I would choose 100% every day of the week, every single time to have my mom in my life rather than to have her not in my life. I am not better because mm. my mom passed away when I was 16. Now, I adapted and I figured out how to learn from it. Like tragic situations force you to adapt and then we understand what resiliency means. So again, I'm trying to move from a, a personal situation to a systemic situation. We're not better as a country because we enslaved uh, we, we, we imported um, enslaved Africans to this country. We're not better because of that. Now, we figured out how to adapt and do all that. But, like, this, this is not a thing. And, and, and I'm with you, man. We, we, we have got to denounce this. Like, we're not better. Like, th th this country has suffered and has suffered in, in, in just immense ways that we don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. in treating black people like chattel and property and like, right. like and like I, just to, to try to justify that and use economic arguments i mean that to me speaks to part of what's wrong with, yeah. with how we understand property versus people well and 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 you know we would probably need to spend a a, a whole other podcast digging into just the role of slavery on today's um, you know, our economic system, our political system. Um, but he is I, the thing that I'm really angry about, Dave, is that he's part right. I, it wasn't a necessary evil, but it was essential to the America that we know today. Um, right. So he's not wrong in that. But he, but the founding fathers are saying like we had to do it, and it was the right thing to do. I'm not, I, I am saying absolutely it was the wrong thing to do, a moral thing to do. Um, but I, I'm like, okay, Tom Cotton, um, so clearly you will be authoring the reparations bill, <laughs> right? Because you, 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 you go, as, as the founding fathers, <laughs> as the founding fathers said, and I'm sorry, Abe Lincoln is on uh, Mount Rushmore, is he not? Isn't he the one he, he had approved reparations? Operations, uh, uh, you know, for folks shortly before his his murder, 
he, you know, like he had been in conversations and discussions about that. So I would, I'd fully expect Tom, go pick cotton um, to, to author the reparations bill since he believes that slavery was so damn essential um, to the union in our economy. Um, but he can, I mean, he can miss me with all that. Um, and it, at this point, anybody who's down with him, you know, the hell with them too. I don't care. But they're not, they're, I mean, they're not listening to our show anyway, but if, if, if you are one of those people that's down with Tom Cotton, you can kiss my ass. All right. There it is. So let's move to our shout out. I almost feel like I'm at the Brooksider right now. I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just talking to all those people that, you know, in earshot away. Shout out to, shout out, uh, not Brooksider, Hooper. Shout out Charlie Hoopers. Oh, I miss see? you guys. And then you confuse them with the Brooksider. That's you know how I do, man. I always mix people up. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to do shout outs and call outs. Can I do my call out first? And Please. we're going to end on a yeah. good note. Can yes. we end on a good note? Let's end on a good note today. I need that. I need, I need to end on a pos- some positivity, man. Um, so I, I want to frame this as not a complete call out. And so when we get off air, y'all, Jerry's going to, Jerry's going to be like, man, you just punked out. I don't know why you had to punk out because I, I want to honor, um, I, well, let, there's a podcast I listen to called They Call Me Bruce, and they do a, they do a section um, about this, the positives and the negatives and what they call the WTF. This is more like a WTF, right? Mm. But we don't have that session. I'm stealing from them. I'm give them. So this WTF is for this guy. He, he's a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and his name is Sam Coonrod. I'm not sure if I've said his name right. But he's a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. We just had opening day in baseball um, this week. And um, opening day, they played the national anthem. And the whole Giants team kneels, except for Sam Coonrod. Sam Coonrod stays standing. And then when people, he's the only person. Now, let me just say right off the bat, so I'm not WTFing him because he didn't do like everybody else. Like, I, I feel just like when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, this is right. Like, like I, I ain't mad at him. But then this is what he said. He said, well, I'm a Christian. And, you know, um, as a Christian, I've, I've been taught that um, you only kneel for God, comma, Jesus Christ. So when I read that, I was like, wait, what? So, like, the only time he takes a knee is when he's worshiping. So when he goes to church, he, he's kneeling. Mm-hmm. And every time he sings, he's kneeling. So that, that's awesome. Then later on in the conversation, he says, oh, and as a Christian, I have a couple of issues with Black Lives Matter. Like there, there are a couple things that they, they believe that I just can't get with because I'm a Christian. Number one, because they believe they, they, they believe they make statements about Marxism, like they're in favor of Marxism, and then they make statements um, in favor of a non-nuclear family. So here's here here's why it gets to the to, to the call out. If you don't want to kneel with other people, I can get down with that. I may not agree with you, but I can get down with it. But then to position your faith as the reason why you're not kneeling. That, that this is about because you only worship God. That's all in a front. Just say, I'm not down with Black Lives Matter. And they, they bother me. But you didn't want to say that. You needed to do the whole religiosity mm-hmm. Christian thing. And can I just say this one other thing? Um, and again, the three people that listen to us, they, you're not going to get offended <laughs> by this. But... I'm pretty sure, I haven't studied the Bible extensively, but I've read it a couple times, and I've preached on it a couple times. I'm pretty sure that there is no biblical precedent for or against Marxism. There is not. And I'm pretty sure there's no biblical precedent for and against the nuclear family. In fact, they 
their understanding, like in the Old Testament, their understanding was a Hebraic understanding of community, not family. The need family was important, but they had an understanding of the household, and that was carried on into the New Testament. So to then say that your Christianity doesn't allow you to believe in something or support something because of uh, because they they believe in Marxism and they believe in the non-nuclear family, that's all just jacked up. Just say, you know what, I'm not down with Black Lives Matter, and I'm going to choose to stand. And that's what I want to do. Just call it what it is. And don't use your, your kind of uh, uh, convoluted understanding of Christianity to support your prejudiced views. I don't. Just, just pitch, dude. Just pitch. Stand if you want to stand, but pitch. Are you are you basically saying he should shut up and pitch? <laughs> Again, like I want to be clear. You want to stand? That's your right. I ain't mad at you for standing. But I really, really, the justification you have, it does not, oh, I was going to say it doesn't pass the smell test. To me, it doesn't pass the faith test. Ooh. Ooh. That feels like a call out. That feels like a call out. <laughs> You're saying that's not a WTF? Man, I, I hope we get to the point where we could have Sam. What's his name, Sam? Coonrod. Coonrod? Coonrod. C-O-O-N-R-O-D. Sam Coonrod. Man, that's a tough name to be taking that position, Sam. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. <laughs> just, hey, Sam, you might want to come on home, man. Come on. come. Hey, when you're ready, Sam, we're ready for you. Oh, I'm my like God. That. You know, we're gonna shout out, man. <laughs> man, you know, shout outs. We're gonna stick to the world of sports. Um, as you all know, uh, I'm you know, we're here in Kansas City. I'm a huge fan of the Kansas City football team. I'm no longer saying their name, but I'm a fan of the Kansas City football team. And my shout out goes to Laurent Duvernay Tardif, uh, LDT, as we like to call him here in Kansas City. Uh, he uh, was the starting right guard for the world champion Kansas City football team. And in 2018, uh, he completed his training and, and became an official uh, position. And um, LDT has decided to opt out of the 2020 football season to dedicate and continue his work uh, providing medical care um, to patients during this uh, pandemic. Uh, it just says a lot about who he is as a human being and as Absolutely. a doctor um, that, and he said, basically, like, if I'm going to put, you know, my, my body at risk, I'm going to do it for the health and well-being uh, of his patients. Uh, you know, this is the kind of person, as far as I'm concerned, we don't have to wonder about who the 2020, 2021 Walter Payton man of the year is, in my opinion. Yeah. It's LDT. Shout out to him. And I want to give a second shout out in a way to, uh, to the Kansas City organization, Coach Andy Reid. Uh, they're behind him 100%. It seems genuine that the organization is truly supportive, um, as it should be. But shout out to you, LDT, man, for, uh, for being the kind of human being um, to do this. So I, and I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for him. Happy for him and very happy for his patients that they have someone like him uh, as a physician. So shout out to him. This dude had a choice to make and he decided to choose a profession in which he's going to help people over um, over uh, a sport that probably pays him more, I, I, I would say. I mean, he was going to make $2.75 million. So we talked about Maya Moore in an earlier uh, pod. That she walked away from game checks. He this this dude's walking away from two point seven five million. Um, to, it's to amazing. And, and when you read his story, he he would he was going to medical school while he was playing yeah. professional football. Right. There, there's a great story about how um, he had to he had to rearrange a test in medical school, mm -hmm. um, and he crammed for it when when the Kansas City team was on their way back from a game in London. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you, man. I, like the Walter Payton Award, clearly. Um, just it, 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 and let me be clear: like he's not just going to go be a doctor; he's going to go be a doctor during COVID time. Yes, yes. And he's like, if I'm going to risk 
I need to be risking for my patients. Like that, yeah. There, yeah. There's so yeah. many things about how, just how, how um, we, we need to be more like him. A hundred percent. And, you know, I was telling Heidi earlier, I'm like, you know, I, I think it's possible that we may have seen him play football for the very last time because I could totally see him just saying, you know what, I'm all in on uh, taking care of, of patients. So I take my hat off to him and, and, and not just to him. I want to take my hat off to all uh, 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 first responders, uh, frontline medical staff, second line Amen. medical staff, home health folks, all of you all who are out there. I know none of y'all are listening to the show right now, but if you are, shout out to you. Um, Amen. Thank you for everything. Uh, thank you for everything that you're doing. Yeah, y'all are true heroes. Yeah, real talk. Speaking of first right, responders, man. before we go, speaking of first responders, I'm sorry, until they do something about it, we got to mention it. Say your name. Brianna Taylor, Brianna Taylor, first responder, was murdered in her own home on March 13th, 2020. Her murderers have still not been arrested. Um, that's got to change. Truth. Yeah. Say your name. Brianna Taylor, y'all. Brianna Taylor. All right. Peace and love, y'all. Uh, we're Trailblazing. Thank you for being here. And like we said, we're going to get on a schedule. It's going to be shocking to you, but we're going to, we're going to be on a schedule. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing you next time. Peace. Shock of love. <laughs>